Hey, it's Tim here. Thanks so much for coming over to check out my new podcast, The Big Mouth. Before we get into today's episode, got a big favor to ask you. It's going to mean the world to me if you leave a star rating, you comment on the episode or share it with your friends. It'll help me out and help get The Big Mouth out there. Hope you enjoy today's episode. The term neurodivergent describes people whose brain develops or works differently for some reason. This means the person has different strengths and struggles from people whose brains develop or work more typically. Neurodivergent minds process information in a different way, and the key word there is different as opposed to abnormal or disordered. If you are or you know someone who lives with autism, ADHD, dyslexia or any other neurodivergent conditions, you'll know that there are some challenges living in a neurotypical world, but there are also many wonderful strengths too that different minds bring along. Someone who is advocating for a more inclusive world is Chloe Hayden, who was diagnosed with autism when she was 13 years old and has just released a new book called Different Not Less a neurodivergence guide to embracing your true self and finding your happily ever after. Chloe is also an award-winning actor and you can catch her playing Quinny, an autistic teenager who is one of the lead characters in Netflix's new remake of the iconic Australian series Heartbreak High. I sat down with Chloe this week to hear her story and share some big news of my own. If you feel like a misfit in a world full of pretenders, then I want to be your friend. Join me each week on the journey of not giving a fuck. So stop trying to fit in and stand out. You don't need to be perfect, you just need to get real. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Subscribe now for free to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today Welcome to the Big Mouth Studio, Chloe. Thanks for having me. I am so excited. First up, I've got to say congratulations. New book, new TV series. Did you ever think you'd be living this dream come true right now? Literally never in my life. Like growing up, I always wanted to be an actor or an author. You know, like every kid does. You know, every kid's like, oh, I'm going to be famous when I grow up. But like, you know, you never actually expect it to happen. And like... Of all the people in the world that it shouldn't have happened to, it's me. And like now I'm just sitting here going like, whoa, like what's going on? Yeah. Oh, it's such a pleasure that you've come in to join the Big Mouth and we'll get to how we know each other. But um, I was hoping you might help me today. I'm really nervous. I've got to rip a band-aid off because I've got some big news to share with the audience. Yes. And I couldn't think of anyone better than... An alien superhero princess <laughs> next to me to hold my hand. 
I reached out to you a few weeks ago on Instagram because, and I've shared with Big Mouth listeners, I'm on the process of being diagnosed for uh, neurodivergency. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a long chat that's been going on for about a year and my parents and my partner have been interviewed. But just a few weeks ago, we had the final meeting where I was given the results and I'm actually diagnosed level one autistic. Yay, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and like, you were diagnosed when you were 13. Yes. In your book, I laughed out loud because you said, what am I diagnosed with an illness called Asperger's? Or asparagus. Uh huh. What was it like as a thirteen-year-old to receive a diagnosis? You know what? My mum cried. Yeah. So I was, you know, thirteen years old, and we were sitting down in the car with my mum crying, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I must be dying." And I asked her, like, I straight out asked her, I was like, "Mum, am I dying?" Because yeah. like, when you're thirteen years old and you've been going to a doctor for the past six weeks, that's and then your mum starts crying after you get a result. That's the first thing that comes to your head. Getting my diagnosis wasn't the kind of relieving joyful thing that I wished it was and that it is now yeah. um it was terrifying at the start because first of all my mum cried and second of all when I went home and googled it I was met with articles saying like oh your kid's autistic so their life is over now and if you have an autistic kid like say goodbye to your life and your freedom and like every article I read was awful and I was like damn like maybe a maybe an illness would have been better that's what I hope in this chat today and everyone listening that maybe we can help change some people's idea of what Mm -hmm. neurodivergency is, what being autistic is. Your main message is about creating a new world that accepts diversity and Uh is more inclusive for all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you describe autism as feeling like you're an alien who's crash-landed on a new planet Mm -hmm. and everything kind of being new or or scary I kind of get that because I've always felt a little bit different maybe that looking around that other people just understood things quicker than I did Mm -hmm. or that like they had some kind of instruction manual that I didn't and everything's been a learning journey what are some of the things that you think through life you've had to learn and, and and the challenges that you've dealt with that other people might take for granted Honestly, just existing. Like, mm-hmm. our society is so neurotypical pleasing. It's built around a neurotypical mindset. So when your brain isn't a neurotypical brain, you have to relearn everything that you know about the world. And that's small things like, um, you know, lights are bright and very noisy and, like, life, daily life feels like I'm at, like, a 24-7 rock concert right next to the speakers. Like, yeah. normal life is crazy, but it's also... Just small things like the way that people interact with each other um, and these unwritten rules that society has, for some reason, I still can't figure out why, decided to have, like, we have to make eye contact and we have to do this and do that. And I'm like, none of that makes any logistical sense. Why are you doing that? But, like, society's told us we have to. And it's, I've had to relearn my entire way of thinking and of viewing the world in order to appease neurotypicals. Like it is that questioning of why do people do it that? Like it's almost like it comes naturally for a lot of people. Well, the, the weird thing is like I'm so convinced that the only reason that autistic people are considered the weird ones is because there's less of us. Like if, if we were the majority, <laughs> the world would make so much more sense, dude. And like the neurotypicals would be so much more weird than we are. It's like... <laughs> way of thinking doesn't make any sense and like all the neurotypicals in my life I've spoken to and they're like 
yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, <laughs> we just do it because we have to. Yeah. Like, it's weird, man. And how much more fun would a world be if it was a neurodiverse majority? Like, so true. Imagine that planet. So much better, man. <laughs> I loved in your book how you shared the advice for what to do after a diagnosis and you encourage people on this path not to be scared that... If you believe there's a sparkle in you, don't fear it, but instead take the step forward and embrace it. And I love that. You call it a sparkle. Mm -hmm. And it is that. It's like there's this sort of real joy, this innocence. And I remember before I went into the Big Brother house the first time, just before, like minutes before I stepped into the house, someone on crew just turned to me and they said, shine bright, you crazy diamond. Mm -hmm. And it stuck with me and it has stuck with me that, I don't know, like being felt that your uniqueness is an asset. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and that's what you're all about, I guess, is sort of changing the way we talk about disability and neurodivergence from a deficit framework. Do you want to talk more about that? But I guess instead of a diagnosis seeming like it's it's a real negative thing, there's actually a lot of positives that 100%. come along with autism, isn't there? Yeah, 100%. And I think, first of all, receiving a diagnosis in general is such a positive thing. I've talked to so many parents who are like, oh, my kid's autistic, but I'm not going to tell them. And I'm like, your kid already knows that they're different. Yeah. You know, like autism doesn't put a label on a kid. It's simply changing the label, yeah. you know? So like my yeah. whole life growing up, I was weird and strange and different and unusual and now I'm autistic it's just changing the label and instead of a label where little Chloe was going like why am I so weird and why am I so different and why don't I fit in now it's I'm autistic oh okay and there's a whole community of people like me um so in terms of positivity with diagnosis that's a huge one but positivity in general autistic brains are filled with magic dude like autistic brains are so freaking cool (laughs) um And like, I'm like, yes, I'm biased because I am autistic. But like, if you have a look at anyone in literally any field in the entire world, I promise you the top people in that field are autistic. Wow. Like Mozart was autistic and Einstein was autistic and Michael Grandin is autistic. Modern Um, day Elon Musk is autistic. Elon Musk is autistic. If you look at all the billionaires, not that I approve of billionaires, but like if you look (laughs) at them, they're all autistic, dude. Like anyone who is doing cool shit in the world is autistic. (laughs) I'm sorry. I love your energy. Yes. (laughs) It is the out of the box. Because we we don't fit into normality. And we've never thought like, oh, I have to shrink myself. And because we didn't even realize it was a box to shrink ourselves into. So we push past the limits because we didn't even, we weren't even aware the limits were there in the first place. Yes. I think that was part of my fear of being diagnosed was this idea of the label then defining me that I then was being put in a box. Mm -hmm. But the lovely team of people that, that I'm working with on this process said to me, no, no, autism is like you're out of the box. Yes. Like it's everything. You all don't fit together. Like every one of you is unique mm-hmm. in its own way. Yeah, it's a label, but it doesn't define me. It almost opens the door that I don't have to try and fit in the rest of the box anymore. And the other yeah. thing as well, like, People label things. It's what we do to make our little stupid brains make sense of the world. Like, people label things in general. Autism is no more a label than being white is or being, yeah. 
you know, having brown hair is or having green eyes is. Like, it's just another part of who you are. And, yeah. like, you're autistic or you're neurotypical, like, or, you know, neurodivergent or whatever. Like, it's just as much a label as literally anything else in the world. It's not a box. It's just a whole new brain set. I want to talk now about um, how important language is when we're talking about neurodiversity. And you discuss in the book how some phrases and terms people often use to talk about autism might be outdated and even a bit harmful for people living with neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. I saw on Instagram that you made a post saying that, no, everyone is not a little bit autistic. Or the common one I hear a lot is, oh, we're all on the spectrum. Yeah, oh, I want to just... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I thought that's the way it worked. And yeah, we all have our quirks and everybody's unique, whether they're typical brain or, or atypical brain. But... I liked how you're quite passionate about advocating, no, don't take my lived experience mm-hmm. as your quirk. Yeah. Is that something that you think society needs to change a little bit? Like, what are some of the stereotypes about yeah, autism I that mean, you think need to change? The thing is, and the, the thing is, when people say it, most people are saying it with good intention. You know, they're like, oh, we're all a little bit autistic. And mm. I think they're saying it with a, you know, genuine intention. The issue with that is you're taking my life story and my experience and my trauma and making it just a part of your blase, you know? Um, it would be the same as saying to an amputee, like, Oh, I stuffed my toe once. So I get it, you know, like it's not the same thing. Um, and you trying to take my story and my journey and everything that I am and that I've been through as like, Oh, me too. But you're not actually, that is so belittling of who I am and what I've been through to get to where I am. It's really frustrating, I've found. Everybody has their idea of, of, of someone who is autistic and a common one is people living with autism struggle with empathy and <laughs> that we don't have emotions or we can't share or, or feel other people's emotions. And that's really hurtful for me in a relationship. Like, I think my partner... It was great for him to hear from my psychologist that no, that is not, not actually true yeah. at all. That we actually have huge yeah, capacity that's, to feel that's the thing. Like it's actually the exact opposite. Like yeah. autistic people are the most empathetic people in the whole world. Like I feel things so intensely that it takes over my whole body just because we might show it differently or just because your view of autism is what you saw in the media which is actually not an autistic person it's a neurotypical cis white man playing an autistic person that's not who we actually are yeah i was going to talk about that like um some of the the models or or roles of um autistic characters and that's something that you're passionate about um especially your latest role queenie in heartbreak high Mm -hmm. It's the second time an Australian autistic actor has played an autistic character. That's fantastic. I mean, it's not something that's done, is it? No, and I think the first person is Josh Thomas. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. He, and he only recently got diagnosed as autistic. I don't, I'm so I think I'm the, I'm the first Australian autistic actress, period. Yeah. Which is sick, but also what the hell? Like that's, it's a bit late. Um, and then, yeah, Josh Thomas is the first autistic Australian actor. Um, and then, the, yeah, this is, I think, at the time of the series being announced, I was the second autistic person playing an autistic character in the world. Um, yeah. Kayla Cromer, who acted alongside Josh Thomas in Everything's Gonna Be Okay, yeah. was an autistic actress playing an autistic character. But, yeah, the fact that it's taken 
this long. And like the fact that I'm the first in Australia and the second in the world is botched. <laughs> Crazy. Because I mean, everybody's seen a character who's autistic. I mean, the I guess the most biggest one would be Sheldon, Sheldon on Cooper. Big yeah. Bang Theory. And it is such a stereotype, isn't it? And often the butt of the joke. Like That's it. Um, first of all, every single time I say like, oh, I'm autistic, they're like, but you don't look like Sheldon Cooper. And I'm like, <laughs> dude. Um, and then every single autistic person is, like you said, the butt of the joke or they're a prop to like help the neurotypical person yeah. in their journey or to make the neurotypical person look like a hero. Um, or they're the ones that like is mentally ill. They're the funny one. They're like, they're never just a human being. They're always there to be some intense prop for yeah. the show. So how much of this new character, Quinny, were you able to bring and share your lived experience with the character? Is she very similar to your experience of high school? Um, oh, well, okay. First of all, I was homeschooled from year eight onwards because of how badly I was treated in the school yeah. system. But her, like her as a human being, like we're the same person. Um, yeah. I... I got cast in the show. I was pre-cast. So I was cast before the show had even been finished, you know, being written. Great. So I got to have a really um, quite unique process in the fact that I got to play a really big role in who Quinny was and filling her out and teaching her and showing her, you know, what creating who she is. And um, the I would get messages and calls from the writers pretty much every day going like, okay, what do you think of this? And how would she react in this situation? What what would she do here? Um, wow. It was it's a really really unique thing. Like it's not something that happens in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So because of that experience, I really got to create Quinny in a way that was honest. That's amazing. You must be really proud of her and being able to share that. I mean, there's a lot of young people that are going to be watching this, and yeah, yeah, yeah and that's that, that's why I did it. Like you know, because I grew up never seeing myself represented. Mm. Um. Which sucks because, you know, young people, especially young women, need representation. They need someone to look to in media and go, okay, that's, that person's like me. You yes. Know? And I never had that. You know, my representation was bloody Sheldon Cooper, which mm. isn't like me at all. Um, so, I like, I want young people to be able to look at Quinny and go, okay, well, she's an autistic human being and she's doing okay for herself. Yeah. Um, and she's a whole human. You know, it's not just this is an autistic person, full stop. It's she's a whole human being. Um and I want young people to be able to look at her and go, okay, well, if she's okay, then so am I, you know? You share in your book a lot about your experience of school and then homeschooling. Is it 10 schools in eight years yeah. you went through? <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> you talk about, like, the education system not being at all helpful mm. for neurodivergent kids. Like, that saying, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, yeah. you'll always make it feel stupid mm -hmm. in what ways could the education system be changed learn about autism and yeah. learn about different different minds like this isn't an autism issue this is a whole yeah this is a whole thing like the thing that i've never understood about the schooling system is it's so stagnant and rigid and so specific in how you have to learn and the type of people that you have to be in order to fit into this teeny tiny mm. box um, and the weird thing is as an adult, as soon as you leave school, that box doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, like people, you know, someone that's a business worker isn't going to be a farmer and a farmer's not yeah. going to be an actor and an actor's not going to be this, that, and the other. 
adults don't fit into this box because Mm. there's a billion opportunities for them not to. So the fact that we're forcing kids into this box at the most vulnerable point of their lives and then telling kids that can't fit into this box that they're stupid, it doesn't make any sense. Like, we need to create an education system that wholly embraces all types of diversity and all types of minds, you know? Um, Because at this point, there's always going to be kids that are left out that are so incredibly intelligent, but are going to feel stupid because they can't fit into this Mm. tiny box. Yeah, we're sort of set up to have had it all worked out and to pick your future. And I think I hated school. Mm -hmm. I much rather, like, being at home... Playing with my animals, exploring. And you know what? That is so... Like, that's learning. It is, exactly. Like, that, you learn so much more by doing that. When I got homeschooled, all the days that I was allowed to stay home from school, I'd take out my encyclopedias and I'd go yeah. into the forest and I would, like, write down all the bugs I would... I learned yes. so much more those days than yes. I did sitting inside of a classroom. Yeah, wow. You mentioned in the book that growing up in a world that belittles, condemns, and stigmatizes difference, it's a recipe for poor mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's true, sadly, that there's a big correlation between neurodivergence and poor mental health and chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to young people and their families who are seeking support? You know what? The biggest thing that my parents ever did for me was, which is the message of my whole book, embracing what my sparkles were. When my parents, like when I started getting homeschooled, the days that I was really struggling and that it just was not healthy for me to be doing written work that day my parents would let me go out to my horses or my dad would take me on road trips and I'd go out with my grandparents and we'd go and explore museums and art galleries and I'd learn that way um and when I was able to learn based around my special interests and when I was able to learn around things that made sense to me I thrived and when my parents stopped trying to force me to do things that I was never going to be good at. Like, I can't do math to save myself. I can't read a clock. Um, and, you know, I don't need to. Like, because my brain is not built for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if you start teaching your kids to embrace and looking in yourself and embracing in yourself the things that you are good at and the things that make you powerful instead of these things that are deficits to you, yeah. your life is going to change so drastically. Yeah. What are your eye sparkle things what are you passionate about that brings you to life um my biggest special interest since i was like an infant is the titanic like yes i'm so (laughs) and like you know what for the longest time i've been like i'm not a typical autistic person like i don't even like trains the biggest thing you know like such a stereotype is like autistic people like trains. like like, i didn't like trains that's such a stereotype then one of my tiktok followers pointed out to me a while ago she's like babe you like a sea train. And yes. I was like, shit. <laughs> I'm like, I am Trains exactly staring at type. Um, but yeah, Titanic has always been my biggest thing. When I was, I think eight, I went to um, a Titanic museum for my birthday. And um, I noticed like there was like facts that were wrong. And I was like selectively <laughs> mute at this time. I wasn't talking to anyone. And like my little ass was like storming up to the employer and I was like, this is wrong. This is an outrage. And she was like, bitch, who are you? Like I was like eight years old. I had like my light up shoes on and like my little plaques in my hair. 
And um, she was like, what is going on? Like, she's like, okay, you know, tell me. And I like was like, this person's name is wrong, and this is wrong, and this date is wrong, and this is wrong. And she was like, damn, what the hell? My parents got an email a few weeks later, and like she was, it was like the curator of the exhibit. And um, they were like, hey, like your kid came and like annihilated us a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we fixed it all up. We realized that she was right. We fixed it up. Can you bring her back to like assess it now? <laughs> and I was like, hey. Because of Chloe tick of approval. Literally, yeah. yeah. So I've always loved the Titanic. I've always loved the ocean. Whales and dolphins and horses mm. have always been a huge thing mm-hmm. for me. Um, and performing. Yeah, cool. I loved that bit of your book where you started working in the disability sector and that moment of coming alive and dancing and singing. That was the moment of finding your tribe. Yeah. And that's another thing you talk about in your book as well is having the sidekicks in mm-hmm. your life. There's something about finding your tribe isn't there and, and like-minded people that, that you can be yourself around. A hundred percent. And you know what? Like I've, I've got my people, but I feel like as a society, we place such a firm idea on the idea of best friends and like yes. like people that are your people forever yeah um, and you know i've got my family and i've got my partner but overall i don't really have those people and i don't feel like i need to have those people i don't feel like i'm missing out by not having you know a singular best friend yeah um i've got different people that um help me and serve me in different ways you know like i've got my best friends from like rodeo like i, I compete in yeah. rodeos and um, they're all like 80 year old cowboys and like in another life or in another setting, we would never talk to each other. But like yeah. when I'm at the rodeos and when I'm at the campfires and stuff, I'm like, these are my people. Yes. And then when I go to concerts, I meet girls there that I line up with and I'm like, I would die for you. Like I literally got a tattoo with like five girls that I met six hours beforehand and we're like sick best friends let's get tattooed <laughs> i never speak to them like yeah. we'll like maybe send each other an instagram message yeah. every so often or like like each other's posts and that's it and you know what it's fine yeah. um i have people like like my cast members from heartbreak and i yeah. have um like the surfers that i like catch up with and the people at church and like just i have my people i don't have one person i have yeah. lots of good people in different areas yeah. and i think that's just as good and isn't that nice how you're talking about different ages? It's a diverse group of misfits, 100%. I guess. And yeah. is that something like the way you see the world is the way you would have wished to have been embraced yourself? Because I've got quite a diverse friendship group mm-hmm. that's all ages, all works of life. Maybe it is something about the way that we see the world that we don't see those things as much. Like, I think I've always been like that. Like when I was a kid, I've always been terrified of people my own age. Like people my own age have always been a big no for me. Yeah. But like, I remember being like, you know, four, five, six years old. And my grandpa has, this is going to sound so weird, but he's got trains on his property. He like builds trains. Wow. And has yeah. Property. It's so freaking sick. But every Friday he has his friends come over and they're all his age. So, you know, they're all like my grandparents ages. Yeah. And, um, like I'd be four years old and hanging out with them and yeah. talking to them. Like I, I had like a, the vocabulary of like an 1800 gentleman at the age of like two. So <laughs> I was like sitting with these like old men, just like having like really in-depth conversations as a four year old. And like, yeah. they served me so much more purpose than like the conversations I was having with the kids at kindergarten. And like now I love when like my uh, parents' friends will bring their kids over and they're like six and seven years old. Cause I'm like sick. Let's watch bluey together. Yeah. Like, um, and I have friends that are my age now too. Cause I've learned that some of them aren't so scary. Um, but yeah, I feel like ages, 
you know, obviously within reason, but age is very much just a number. And yeah. I feel like I'm always, I feel like I've always been able to communicate with people and a lot of autistic people are able to communicate better with people that are much older or much younger. Is there a favorite tip or a take home message if people take one thing away from this chat or if they get a copy of your book and read it, what's your message? I think the biggest thing that I want people to take from this is understand that who you are is exactly who you're supposed to be. I think like if you can take one thing, it's just your mind and all that you are is perfect and you don't need to change that for anyone or anything. Absolutely. Sing it, sister. (laughs) I love it. Oh, thank you. It's been so fun to chat and share some joy. Check out Chloe's book, Different Not Less, and Heartbreak High. It's out now. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you today. Thanks so much for having me. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode and leave a comment. Give me a star rating. It all helps get The Big Mouth out there. You can follow me on socials at Tim Dormer and join the Big Mouth conversation. Hashtag The Big Mouth. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.